Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of Believe in 49ers presented by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. I am your host, Tommy Call the Third. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore I I I. That is triple I for the third. And if you want to hear more from me, you can catch all my written work about the 49ers via USA Today's Niners Wire. And before we dig into the 49ers 34-3 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, I got a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. The last of the major sports leagues is off and rolling in college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering, news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code Believe B L E A V for 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. I'm so excited college basketball is back. I'm a huge college hoops fan personally. Got off to an insane start on Tuesday night here with Kentucky versus Kansas. An absolute thriller. Brought the March Madness vibes back early here in November, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here win. The losing streak is over. It stops at three, and the 49ers bounce back with an exclamation point with a 34-3 win over the Jaguars. Today, we're going to talk about that bounce back, specifically from Brock Purdy. Talk a little bit about Steve Wilkes. The 49ers pass rush. Chase Young, was that the key? Are they back? Got to touch on Christian Caffrey's streak. We're going to hand out some game balls to get this podcast finished up. But before, we got a lot to talk about, and that starts with Brock Purdy. And I think this Sunday, and let's just talk about the last four games overall when it comes to Brock. But I feel like we're starting to decipher more and more the type of quarterback Brock Purdy is going to be. At this still, very still early stage of career, three touchdowns, two inside 96 yards, 19 of 26 passing for Purdy against an underrated, tough Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Looked calm, cool, and collected. Looked like the Brock Purdy of the first five weeks of the season. Looked like the Brock Purdy that we saw last season. And that might just be part of the process of developing a young quarterback, which is something I've been saying from the first time I've taken the mic here with the Believe Network, that there's going to take some time to develop this guy. He's still a young quarterback. He was the uh, late, late, the last pick in the draft for a reason. What he's been doing was never, I don't want to say it was never sustainable, but to constantly think this guy's going to produce at such an elite level time and time again, there's going to be some hiccups. And we saw them over that last three-week stretch. Doing what he's been doing is incredibly rare. The multiple turns is more common than a clean three-touchdown game like we just saw. 
there will be more performances like this, but the 49ers, they need to take advantage when Purdy's switched on, and they very much did on Sunday, kind of making a mockery of a good Jacksonville Jaguars team. Let's talk about some of those throws that Purdy made. Starting touchdown to Ayuk. Yikes. That looked like the the ball that was going to end the drive. All the positive start to, you know, that game specifically went quiet when he pulled up to throw that ball across his body, across the middle of the field, rolling left, throwing right. But look at that. It turns up in the hands of Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown pass. Not only a bad touchdown, but a touchdown pass. And it looked like that football would have maybe been picked off at the high school level, but it wasn't. Instead, it was six points for the 49ers after the game. Kyle Shanahan called it one of the worst decisions of his time with the 49ers, but it was a touchdown. And then he follows that up, I think it was in the third quarter, with an absolute dot to George Kittle down the sideline. Purdy barely his feet planted. Defensive lineman in his face delivers an absolute strike for a 66-yard touchdown. And I think, again, we're seeing the quarterback Brock Purdy is. You got to take the good with the bad. And unlike maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, where there was as much good as bad, with Brock Purdy, it seems like there's a little bit more good than there is bad. And with a team like the 49ers, you're going to win with a quarterback like that. You got to not only even out those turnovers, even out those oh-no throws, even out those bad plays, but make up for them in tenfold. And it seems like that's what the type of quarterback Brock Purdy can be when he's playing at his peak level. There's going to be some bad stuff, but as long as he makes up with the good stuff times two, which is what he's been doing, especially when the 49ers are winning. And these two throws, I was going back and forth with my buddy Kyle Madsen of USA Today's Niners Wire, and it just gave me this nickname for Brock, Backyard Brock, because that's what it looks like. He looks like he is just out there on the schoolyard with his friends, maybe not supposed to be the quarterback, maybe not supposed to be the guy with the strongest arm, most athletic guy, but can deliver those big throws when they matter most, will his team to a win. It just reminds me of him running around the backyard, and that might be when he's at his best. Um, obviously, we know how he plays within structure, and he, you know, he throws to his spots, and that's good, but when the plays kind of go down, you know, you think of other quarterbacks in the NFL who are in the similar Kyle Shanahan system where it's one, two, three, plant and throw, and they throw to a spot, not to a receiver. Brock Purdy has that, but he also makes up for it with, you know, that those the backyard Brock threat throws. And, you know, both of those throws, the one to Kittle to the one to Ayuk, maybe his kind of best and worst just screams like the type of player that Purdy is at this stage in his career. He might hurt you from time to time being risky, but he might be just risky enough to lay up a 60-yard touchdown pass to George Kittle and bring that element of the 49ers offense that is just rare from time to time that we haven't seen with guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. But as good as Purdy was on Sunday, got to switch gears here a little bit, the defense was better, especially the defensive line, which we're going to talk about in a second. But after a rough three-week stretch where this defense – you know, went from looking like one of the better units in the NFL to looking rather average, and it looked like they were going through the motions while guys like Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow picked them apart. On Sunday, they had some swagger. It felt like this team was playing at the level they were billed to play at. And I think a lot of that needs to be attributed to Steve Wilkes. 
We've been critical of him in the past. There's been a change. He's not D'Amico Ryans. He's not Robert Sala. But on Sunday, we got to see what the 49ers defense looked like at their best with Steve Wilkes on the sideline instead of the booth. There was a lot of chatter about him calling games from the booth. Wilkes was on the sideline Sunday, and like I mentioned, the swagger was back. He was animated on the sideline, hyping up Javon Hargrave after his sack, hyping up Ambry Thomas after his forced fumble, which I thought was just an incredible play. But back to Wilkes, this team felt like they were playing for something and playing with an identity on defense for the first time over the last quarter of the season. Wilkes needs to be on the sideline if this is even close to what the result might look like going forward. But you, you cannot mention this defense without talking about reigning defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. He was back as back can be, folks. The reigning defensive player of the year, like I just said, I'm going to mention again, was an absolute menace on Sunday. You know, I write during the games. I like I write for USA Today's Niners Wire. And so, you know, my head's on my computer bounced back and forth from the TV. And it felt like every time I had this noted, every time I looked up from my computer when the Jaguars had the football and Nick Bosa was in the backfield, stopping a run, putting pressure on Trevor Lawrence, stuffing Travis Etienne, flushing Lawrence out of the pocket. I mean, he was def- the definition of dominant on Sunday. Trevor Lawrence is that quarterback, the media lo- the media darling, the long hair is flowing. He delivers those strikes up and down the field. I mean, he looked flabbergasted. I don't know what the right word was it for, but he did not. He looked, he looked like a seventh round pick. I mean, he looked completely disrupted. Um, they put Trevor Lawrence in a box on Sunday and Nick Bosa caused so much havoc. I mean, he finished the game with three tackles. One and a half sacks, a pass deflection, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Multiple pressures on the quarterback. Multiple quarterback hits. He also linked up for a sack with his former college team, Chase Young, in his debut. He was unblockable on Sunday. And as good as the 49ers defense it was, is, it seems like going to go with Bosa specifically. And it felt like it was the type of performance that could spark a second half run for Bosa where he, you know, and I might not be, it's probably too late at this point, but to push his name in the conversation for that defensive player of the year, you start racking up those sacks, things like that. You got to schedule up against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this next week where you again go, he should have some success getting to Baker Mayfield. You know the antics with Bosa and, and Baker Mayfield. It just seems like we're starting to get the swing, whether it was the training camp rust, whatever, getting that new contract, whatever you want to say. It seemed like Sunday answered a ton of questions and just delivered. He was it was one of his best performances, one of the best individual performances, I thought from a member of the 49ers this season. I mean, even if Brock Purdy did turn the ball over, even if the 49ers offense wasn't clicking, I'm not sure how much of it would have mattered because of how good Bosa was. And then when he is good, it just frees up and lets that defensive line shine. They deserve to be mentioned. Racked up five sacks against Lauren. Lawrence and the Jags on Sunday. Eric Armstead all over the field. Javon Hargrave 
continues to look like one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. And I firmly mean that. I mean, I know 49ers paid him a lot of money, but I believe at this point he is worth every penny. He does a bit of everything at such a high level, rush the buzzer, stop the run, causing havoc on the center, bringing that interior pressure. If he's freed up with a one-on-one while two people are focused on Bosa, we're not going to have to deal with Chase Young or Eric Armstead. Hargrave is the one that's making them absolutely pay for it. He's genuinely one of my favorite players to watch. And, you know, I'm not a 49er fan. I did not grow up a 49er fan. This is the team that I cover. But Jawan Hargrave is beginning to be one of my favorite players in the NFL because he's just a go-getter a butt kicker. Uh, I'm not sure if I can curse on this podcast, even though it's been podcast. Let's just keep it PG here. A butt kicker, if you know what I mean. Every week, and as good as he's around him, I think he just continues to burst. Um, Chase Young and his debut. We spent a whole podcast. Him. He played 35 snap snaps in his debut against the Jags. He recorded a half sack, two quarterback hits against Lawrence. Wasn't quiet at all and provided a bit of an answer to the 49ers pass rush that his has been surprisingly clunky of late. With Young on the opposite side, Bosa clearly looked energized. The entire defensive line was clicking. Fred Warner called him the missing link after the game. And with Lawrence under pressure because of how good that defensive line was, the 49ers secondary looked good. Because they weren't, you know, obviously the ball wasn't getting tested downfield. Obviously, Christian Kirk did a little bit of damage. I think he caught a couple passes for over 100 yards receiving. But Calvin Ridley absolutely shut down. I don't know if Evan Ingram's name was even mentioned on Sunday. But this secondary, if they can create pressure, this is the type of team. This is why you know they went out and got Chase Young. Because it just solves a lot of problems. Because, yeah, that secondary is not its not a great unit. You know, when they have a lot of time to to throw the football, they're going to get picked apart. But you can say that about any secondary in football. Any team is going to get picked apart if there's no pressure up front. These quarterbacks are great at this level, especially a guy like Trevor Lawrence. But on say, everybody seemed to get involved, make a ton of plays. Ambry Thomas, who we're going to talk about here a little bit. But right now, with how much that Chase Young addition means to this team, you got to give that trade an A. Although it's only been one game, we're going to slap a grade on it right now. Give it an A. What is not an A? What's going to get a low passing grade? I'm joking. But Christian McCaffrey, before we wrap things up and move on to game balls, we have to talk about Christian McCaffrey's streak of 17 games of the touchdown. It finally came to an end. And, you know, wildly impressive. Christian McCaffrey's a machine. He, he makes this offense go on so many levels. One of the better pound for pound players in all of football. I did. I thought that final drive when it seemed like the 49ers were taking all their stars out, Elijah Mitchell gets seven straight runs or eight straight runs, whatever it was late in the game. They get near the red zone, bring in Christian McCaffrey and try to force feed him the football to get that record. Kyle Shanahan defended it after the game talking about, you know, the, the idea of, you know, sustaining that record, that streak to send it to 18 games. But you know, is it really that serious? Um, you know, whatever McCaffrey did, I wouldn't want to take shine away from it. It is impressive, but I just, I don't know. I think I, I, it, it was just weird. That I thought it was a little bit corny of, of Shanahan and, and everybody involved that, that they were continuing to force feed the ball. I know that might be a want-want take, but 
it's just in my opinion i was like wow i was surprised to go for that because especially i feel like with how important of a piece McCaffrey is and just how the NFL is. You think about the Dolphins, they scored 70, you know, they didn't try to kick the three to break the record. It seems like teams nowadays more and more opt to, you know, not get the record to, you know, not jeopardize, like almost take shine away from it. Where Kyle Shanahan and, and maybe it was that important to Christian McCaffrey. Maybe all he had to say was, I want to go get it. And they gave him, you know, the green light. He deserves that. So obviously we don't know what happened in the huddle, but I don't know. It was, it was a little bit weird and, I was meh about it, but before, maybe this is why I'm a little bit fresh, fresh with it. I, you know, have an admission here and it's kind of serious. I think I was the person that ruined Christian McCaffrey's streak of touchdowns because on Sunday for the first time in a very long time, I added Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown to a prop parlay. And it didn't hit. He caught wind that I that I bet on him, and they didn't want to score because of it. I also had Travis Etienne to score a touchdown as well. I think that did not hit. Debo Samuel over total yards. I think believe that did hit. And with me riding McCaffrey, wasn't able to score. So I'm so sorry, Christian McCaffrey. This is my apology. It is my fault. I will wear that one for you. Shouldn't have bet on you. Shouldn't have broke the. Shouldn't have uh, mushed the streak there with riding with you on that one. All right. Anyways, back to the serious stuff. Let's give out some game balls. I think we're going to make that a, sh- a little bit of a, a theme here on Believe in 49ers. After a game, we're going to hand out some game balls. Did you ever remember whether you're in the locker room, Little League Baseball, whatever it was, getting a game ball in front of all your friends and teammates? Quite the feeling. So we're going to replicate that here today. It's kind of like the same thing, getting a Believe in 49ers game ball as you know, getting one actually after your game. But I think it's no secret, Nick Bosa, in my opinion, and should be your opinion, was the player of the game, absolutely deserving of the game ball this week. I'll toss another game ball over to Brock Purdy. Purdy, regardless of the stats and the lack of turnovers and the throws and all the stuff we talked about, Purdy showing the ability to just bounce back and play a sustainable, competent game after struggling for three games not letting the losing streak and turnovers let his season slide and define his season where he said oh he threw for he looked bad three four or five games in a row being steady bouncing back mentally and as a winning quarterback was very very positive sign from the young passer lastly we have a couple honorable mentions here Debo Samuel Maybe a quiet overall performance. He had the touchdown run. But I think what he brings to the team doesn't always show up in the box score. You know, talk about grit, talk about attitude, uh, talk about the heartbeat, whatever you want to say, all those buzzwords. Um, But the threat of him running out of the backfield, I think, frees up this offense, opens up things for Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey in the passing game. The gravity Debo Samuel, you know, gets – on the football field, the way he pulls guys to him, glues people to him, is just something that makes his 49ers offense click and different. It just seems like Purdy got a lot of whatever he wanted against, like I said, a good Jaguars defense on the road. Um, and Debo Samuel out there just brings in this an edge to this team. I think it scares defensive coordinators, his ability to get the football out of the backfield, whether he's lining up in the slot, just lining up next to Brock Pur- Purdy in shotgun, whatever it is, he, he is just – 
he brings an edge to this team and I thought they played differently and it's because of him. Obviously having Grant Williams out there is going to make a big difference as well. But I think Debo Samuel deserves quite a bit of credit personally. And then Ambry Thomas mentioned him earlier. You know, I've been critical of this secondary and I think rightfully so, but the forced fumble play that he made was awesome. Maybe one of the best moments, one of his best moments as a member of the 49ers um, with his improvement, making some timely plays. Phase. I think he played 46 to 57 defensive snaps, forced Isaiah Oliver to move to the bench. And I think he's earned the right to play more and might take over that CB3 position for the 49ers going forward. So he gets an honor. He mentioned game ball, half game ball, him and Debo, not full game ball, whatever you want to call it. We'll think of something here on Believe in 49ers. But that's going to do it for us in the review podcast of the 49ers win over the jacksonville jaguars no college football or nfl drafts preview review here because this is the review podcast but maybe we can look at what's going on with the warriors and they need some help to stop the slide themselves with a losing streak of four games no steph curry to an injury and now Draymond green is suspended for five games yikes and the Warriors have a tough pair of home games against the Oklahoma City Thunder before playing the Rockets and Suns. It is tough sledding ahead for the Warriors. And they'll have to do it all without Draymond Green and maybe without Steph Curry, depending on the status of his injury. But that's going to do it for us on Believe. And 49ers will be back shortly with a preview of the 49ers contest against Bakerfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm actually going to do a little link up with a Buccaneers podcast from the Believe Network. We're going to do a little crossover episode. I'll have that for you guys up, I believe, on Friday. So please subscribe to the podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk some ball. Got a take on the NFL draft. You got a good prop bet that you think I need to take a look at, or you just have an opinion about the Warriors, UFC, whatever. You know I'm here for it you know i want to talk about it i'm actually heading to so if there's any dallas texas area listeners dfw area i'm going to texas for thanksgiving going to Dallas. i'm going to be staying in arlington got any recommendations for food spots love texas barbecue with all my heart been to terry black's been to pecan lodge the big name places if you got a sleeper restaurant for me i gotta try out there hit me up on twitter at Tommy underscore III. I will make sure to go. Thank you again to our sponsor, Bet Online. Do not forget to use our promo card BLEAV for a 50% welcome discount. As always, thank you so much for listening to Believe in 49ers. We will be back soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.